This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Isn't it convenient that we have a round table? Well, it's actually it oval. Just say yeah. it. The blind guy feels it now. Goes, <laughs> well, I don't know. Well, yeah, I guess it is oval. Kind of oval. Well, we roll it all out again, folks. As we get into some uh, conversation here, we roundtable it. Uh, welcome back to the program, Ramya Muth and Kelly McDowell, and we have an open conversation on a variety of topics that I've grabbed up today for us. Today, we welcome John Melville, Vice President of Content and Development and Programming uh, for AMI TV and Audio. John, welcome. Hi, Kelly. How are you doing, Ramya? Nice to be here. Thank you. Hey. Always love having you on with us for the roundtable. Okay, Rum, we're going to start off with your favorite, a uh, little baseball talk. Um, of, course. of course. Aaron Judge. John, you see him hit that home run yet? Have you seen any pl- tape of it? You know what, Kelly? I haven't, and I should be watching baseball this time of year. You know, I, I usually did, but I have not seen that yet. So Roger Maris's son was at uh, Rogers Center last night when this uh, uh, tying of uh, his father's record of uh, 61 home runs in a season, which was set in 1961, uh, New York Yankee uh, great uh, Roger Maris. Um, this is a, a real incredible feat by a guy that really, when you look at the way Aaron Judge handles himself, is the really great face of, of that team. Wonderful, uh, not so wonderful for Tim Mesa, the Blue Jay pitcher who gave up this uh, historic home run, uh, and not so well for the fan that tried to catch the ball and it clanked off his glove and fell into the bullpen because they estimate that uh, that fellow would have lost out on possibly $500,000, which is what they figure uh, Vegas does, that that ball would have been worth when they came to, eh, sir, we, you know, Aaron Judge would like that ball. Well, it'll cost you. <laughs> Uh, what would you do, John? Would you sell the ball? Would you want to keep it for your own collection? Uh, I would keep it. I would keep really? it. Um, there's I, no I'm, money, I'm a, no amount. They could say uh, John Melville. Well, I wouldn't say there's no amount, but uh, I'd like to at least enjoy it for a while. I, I got to confess, Kelly, I'm a bit of a hoarder. Uh, I collect things. <laughs> uh, I collect good things, though. I, you know, I, I mean, I do try and keep the garbage pails empty, but uh, there is a lot of stuff in my little room here, um, both sports memorabilia. Um, I actually have a, a penchant for you know the little pins that people get. Um, yes, I like those things too but wow. um uh yeah i actually still have it's probably not worth anything but i have the original ticket from when the uh, sky dome first opened the oh, first wow. event that was on there and uh i've got a little bit of other baseball memorabilia and stuff but no- nothing of real value but for me it's about having having at the stuff around me you know and and the the, the history that it that it, it gives off right uh i would keep it what was the first event was it a game or was it a concert? Uh, well, I thought it was a concert, wasn't it? They was, yeah. So they had the grand opening event, which was when everybody just went in and, hey, we're showing off. The, and by the way, I should say it was originally called the Sky Dome. It's now called the Rogers Centre. So this is what we're talking about, the building in Toronto uh, with the retractable roof. So they opened the roof on that event. And as you may recall, it rained that night, right? So yes. it's one of the only times that they actually opened the roof and kept it open and everybody got soaked because it was the opening event, right? And then the first game was the Blue Jays the following day, I think, and that's where the ticket was from. And that, that rained too, and they had to close it, and it jammed. Because yeah, they had it was some raining problems. on home plate. That's right, yes. They, they had some problems back in the day. But for its time, I mean, it was, it was oh. an amazing piece of engineering, and now 
I mean, I got to give credit to Rogers or actually Ted Rogers, uh, who bought it and, and, you know, saw the potential. I understand actually they're going to be uh, putting a significant amount of money into uh, fixing the sight lines, putting in new seats, et cetera, in the next little while. Yeah. They're, they're going to very much make it into a baseball stadium, renovating it over the next few years uh, with different stages uh, as, as they do it. Um, my sister and I were part of the 120 people who actually sent in for the naming of the place. We actually picked Sky Dome, and it was 120 of us that had picked Sky Dome, and one of us got to be able to have lifetime tickets, apparently. I have no idea if wow. Rogers still honors that or whatever, but they could go to whatever. <laughs> one of the bunch. Ron, what would it take... Being a non-sports fan, you're sitting out there, someone's dragged you to the game, and this ball comes over and hits you in the forehead, but you're able to bring your hand up and catch it. Um, and then you start sure. hearing, oh, my goodness, she got it. Oh, my. This special ball, what would it take for you to sell it back to Aaron Judge when he says, oh, excuse me, ma'am, I'd, I'd like that ball. That's my, what would it take? For a reasonable price, I'm willing to sell it. No, 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 I want to know the reasonable price. I'm not even going to ask John what his uh, (laughs) scam price would be. I would have to do a lot more research to answer this question fairly. You know, like, what would a reasonable price be for a person who understands the value? I heard a few days ago. One million, Jeffy says. See, you're already trying to scam me, Jeffy, Jeffy, was it a million now they moved it up to? I think um, the next one, the next one's supposed to be uh, two and a half million yeah, when that's he gets 62. Say. But it's also the Yankees, right? So two and a half somebody's going to pay a good penny. Sold. For yeah, for the next one. But that, you know. But, but if you level. had this one, Amuthan, seriously. Yeah, whatever Jeffy said. A million? A million. Why like, would you ask to for be... a million and a half? It's you. Sure. I mean, I would go for whatever the baseline price should be based on, you know, precedence oh, and grief. then add a little more, extra right? because, yeah, of course I'd ask for more because it was a, a low vision moment and it was awesome you know what i mean that comes with a story this catch but you see what's happening here eh? the longer you wait remia the the price keeps going up so oh, just yeah. hold exactly. on and and they'll keep bidding oh well if 500 is not enough what would you know a million Absolutely. a million five right you just it's, wait it's around exactly what's going enough, on right, right now and Romeo you know? would say i'm cold so i'm scared it's so it's going to be cost you more it's the pressure. I'm not going to fall for the pressure. I know I can get a ton of money off of this. Oh, you could. And and in all fairness, right, John, you look at it and say, well, when Aaron Judge gets his new contract, he'll be able, that'll be chump change for you, Rum. Mm-hmm. Um, Pricey. Senior citizens in Victoria staged a rally outside a vacant high school, uh, well, sorry, high school field to call for more access to green spaces in their neighborhood. Uh, 85-year-old Ann Duggan, who lives in a a nearby long-term care residence, says the empty field could easily become an area for seniors to exercise, socialize, and appreciate the environment. We have a very diverse group of very diverse group of people here and ages well well in their 90s who are here in their chairs today. It's uh, just wonderful to see everyone participating and sharing in the fun of developing this. Duggan was one of about 100 seniors who attended the rally, uh, the rally with many uh, holding placards up, uh, calling for development of an elder-friendly park. John, can you think of a nearby area, a park or something like that, or a few that, when you really stop to think about it, could be lent to something like this around you? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Uh, We actually have a school down the street that hasn't been inhabited for about four years, and 
the entire school and the lot is just sitting there. And uh, there are some baseball games that uh, some some house league baseball that takes place every now and again. But 90 percent of the time, the field is 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 empty. And then there's another park I know of where there it, it also sits empty a lot too um and in both those cases they're in downtown relative areas right like here i'm in brockville so uh there, there's people all around it that could definitely be making use of that space um but the gates are locked unless somebody's got the key right mm. it's really interesting because you think of the upkeep of places well why are you upkeeping somewhere that isn't really being used if you're going to do that mow the lawns at least and things why not use it and Ramya, i i heard this and i got thinking about so many different things that as as people's health becomes that concern as you get older but then i think yeah, but when you're younger, you know, if you have a place to go that you feel comfortable, that you can kick around and, and be safe. And, of course, I think of the accessible parks that we're hearing more and more mm-hmm. about, but yet they're far and few between. And yet we talk about a suggestion for seniors and a suggestion of, well, why why can't we do more? I get it costs money to put the accessible the features in. It costs money, and sometimes there's this attitude of, well, there's not enough people. It's better to put money and support and promotion into something that's going to affect more of us, you know, that all of us can use. But honestly, that's not the point at all, right? The intention behind this is a safe space, at least for me. That's what I'm hearing. It's to create the safe and um, relaxing space for seniors where they don't have to worry if this place is accommodating, if it's welcoming, you know, all of this stuff is just built into the fact that you're catering to this specific community. And yeah, I I don't even think it's... I don't think of just parks when I think of this conversation. No. I think of the the hubs, the CNIB hubs, and all these other relaxed spaces that you can walk into as a person with a disability and say... Yeah, I'm I'm not worrying about entering this place. I know that when I walk in, people um acknowledge my accommodations or my the, the the support that I might need and just to be able to walk around and just do what you have to do. It, so you- it's totally different from just entering, I don't know, any playground or a library or a new space. You have to there's a of um a moment of transition, right? A period of transition through those places. I can hear people with disabilities saying, well, hold on, do I need my own park? I can use the streets, I can walk there, and and agreed. But what made me think about this in that sense of, yeah, okay, sure, you may have a neighborhood that's friendly for walking, you may have a park nearby, and you just go through there and stroll or or, or ride a bike if you're able to or what have you. I think it's the part when the seniors say, socialize. Mm-hmm. Feel comfortable, as you just said, in that space that puts the value on a space like that. Because at first I had to stop and say, I, I understand that, you know, crossing streets or, or certain things. Maybe some of the seniors are looking for something a little different. And, and I thought, you know, maybe it's not something that people from the disability community or what other communities may want a similar space or available space to go and utilize. And I know we always got to think about abuse of of whatever facilities are there and what kinds of things but we can't live our world worrying about the clown that's going to go in there and do stuff at nighttime and take away something from a hundred people at this gathering saying we would like this and this is why right. yeah um, go ahead john 
Oh, sorry. No, I, I just wanted to jump in because, uh, you know, I was just thinking as you were talking, Kelly, you know, the there are children's parks, you know, that they put up playground equipment for. Yes. You know, and it I mean, by my experience and having seen those, it, it's well maintained. Right. And it used to, I think there was vandalism back in the day. And occasionally you get kids that, you know, party at night there. But generally speaking, those places are pretty immaculate. And and just to, to tie it back to the baseball thing we were talking about earlier, you remember in Field of Dreams, if you build it, they will come. Right. Mm-hmm. And if you create the opportunity, you know, rather than just sitting, looking at the empty field, wondering if seniors can get to it or not. But make it accessible, open the gates, and watch what happens. Yeah. Well, and when you talk about empty schools and places like that where you might even be able to start utilizing that as a place where, you know, maybe a CNIB does rent a space for a hub, but outside you have a different socializing place as you look at it being different. And we t- heard about this after the pandemic, so many people re-envisioning downtown areas and that, or having space for people to go and sit outside instead of sitting inside because of the concerns of the pandemic, but people saying, you know what, it's really nice being able to sit out here in the shade of the buildings and that, and have this this area in the middle of downtown that I can do that, that I don't have to go way into a park to do it, but uh, have, have some, some area on a lot or a street. Rum, did you want to say something else? No, I, I think I'm, I'm good to wrap on this, but I'm just saying it's wonderful to have these uh, catered places where you don't have to stress, where you feel like the intention is already there for a relaxed space so that you can um, go in without having to worry. Because I think that there's always some small bit of us that worries when we try something new, walk into a new space. And as you said, the going through the pandemic and coming out the other end, there's uh, a lot of that anxiety anyway. A lot of people feel like they're going to be a bother. And by asking for it, oh, well, maybe I better, you know, hold off and ask for that silver bullet when we really need it. And instead of saying, no, just ask for a little bit now, put the put the thought out there. Um, experts say high inflation and a strong U.S. dollar will weigh heavily on Canadian snowbirds travel decisions this winter. As the cold months approach, Snowbird Advisor President Stephen Fine says some snowbirds are opting for a shorter travel period or they're eyeing different destinations due to the rising cost of everything combined with a weak Canadian dollar. Fine says snowbirds will have a lot more to consider this coming winter as the price of accommodations, groceries and dining out have all risen. He adds snowbirds may opt for more cost-effective destinations outside the U.S., including Mexico, Costa Rica and Belize, and they may do a four-month stay rather than the usual six. The loonie is trading this morning at less than 72.5 cents U.S. Karen Rebo, the Canadian Press, Toronto. I like how she threw that right on the end there, John. John, Florida's dealing with a lot. Uh, many will probably go there to check out their properties, the snowbirds that are here in Canada, since there are so many that, that, that go there. Um, but you see this as that big concern. Where do you think would be another place, or uh, I know in the wintertime a lot of people go to Arizona. Can you see another place outside of the U.S. that people, snowbirds, may start thinking about? Uh, possibly. Um, I mean, yes, there's the west coast of, uh, or outside the U.S., no, because I was thinking California, but that's still in the U.S., but uh, uh, there's lots of islands, uh, you know, Caribbean and whatnot, but I think currency exchange is going to be pretty tricky wherever you mm. go, because everything is pegged to the U.S. dollar, 
Um, I mean, the pound is in crisis right now in the UK because yes. of some of the, the recent changes there. But what I was thinking as as I was listening to that is, you know, I think during the pandemic, there were uh, some people that have, you know, gone to places like Vancouver Island, you know, um, we have some temperate parts in Canada. It's not Florida, but you're, you're still in Canada and you can get away from the snow and ice, you know, it's a bit of rain instead, right? Um, but I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know, you know, the world is a small place when we get into these financial situations, uh, inflation and low dollar, et cetera. Um, I, I'm not sure if it would make too much of a difference, you know, going to Mexico and then you have, maybe it's not as safe or, you know, it's not as familiar. A lot of snowbirds like to drive to Florida, right. Mm-hmm. Or to, to Arizona. So that's not an option to go offshore. Right. So that's a tricky question. I think what she was saying though, about the shorter term, you know, maybe the compromise, right. Maybe you can't go for as long, but you can still go may cost about the same as what it used to cost, but at least you're still in a familiar place. Yeah, and that's really what it calls for. Uh, Ramya, you were out west, and a lot of people say, Victoria, those places are where a lot of people retire. Do you think a lot of people will start checking this out, as John was mentioning, as maybe that place they go to for their winter? Or is maybe. it just not enough? I was going to say maybe, but isn't weather a, a big part of what you do and where you go in the winter? Like, I'm not sure if anywhere in Canada is the best. Comparison. Compar- <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. oh, did, let's go from freezing to mildish. awesome Uh, John of course wonderful to have you on board with us really appreciate whenever you get a chance to join us here on the round table thank you so much guys it's been a lot of fun today have a great weekend too We'll talk to you uh, soon, John. Take care of yourself. Uh, Today's guest has been John Melville, Vice President of Content Development and Programming for AMI-TV and AMI-audio. We'll step aside for a moment. I've got a couple of things, programming notes for you, uh, telling you a little bit about what we're doing on our show, what the folks over at AMI-TV have in store for you, and I'll give you a a little sneak preview of Monday's show since tomorrow uh, we'll be having a very special show with content that uh, uh, very much will look at the, uh, the special day. All that we'll talk about after this. Hello, I'm Sean Priest. Join me monthly for Sean of the Shed, where I introduce you to all the technology that can be so useful to us as blind or partially sighted people. Find Sean of the Shed wherever you find all your podcasts.